Well, tonight, we're going to start a little differently. We are uh, not going to show the FaithWorks bumper because you guys have seen that a million times. And uh, I know you're upset about that. And um, as they bring this stuff up, <laughs> we, are, we are struggling tonight. Give it up. Give it up for Danny. Um, let me tell you, uh, you know, we've, we've got the Haiti trip coming up. I'm super pumped for that and uh, leave early in the morning on Saturday. And that got me just to thinking a little bit, reflecting a little bit about just some, uh, some other missions trips that I've been on. And, um, and uh, you know, I've, I've been to Brazil a couple times and, uh, and uh, been, to, been to Guatemala. Last year we went to Nicaragua. Uh, you know, we've, we've been to, you know, I've been to Canada. I mean, just all these different places on mission trips. And, and when I was in Cuba, uh, the two times I went to Cuba, one of the times I went to Cuba, we were, we were working with some of the locals and stuff like that, our whole entire team. And, uh, and we were clearing out this area so that we could put in a road. And, and it was like all these big rocks. And so we'd go over and we'd take these heavy rocks and we'd just pick them up and we'd carry them over and we would throw them in the pile. And, and we had been carrying rocks like, like all morning long, but like kind of in the middle of that pile was this gigantic rock just chilling. I mean, this massive rock. And it was funny because all day everybody was just kind of avoiding that big rock and we were picking up all the rocks around it. And then eventually, once we cleared out the whole area of rocks, and there was only one rock left in this area. We had all been kind of dodging it and it was this massive rock. And so a couple of our students in our youth group, they go over to it and, and, and they're just kind of like sizing it up. And, you know, we're, I'm just, just getting some water, just sweating like crazy. And we look over there and, and, and one of them leans down and he grabs it, you know, and he's like... <laughs> And he can't get it. And uh, so, so he, goes, uh, he goes, hey, Derek, come over here and get a shot. Well, you know, I'm, I think I'm the man, right? And so I'm like, you know, yeah, I'll take care of it. Uh, I got this. We'll put a man on this thing. And uh, so I go over there, you know, and I, and, and I re gr grab a hold of the rock and I... And, and you know what I'm saying, like, like normally when you get a little, you know, like that right there, you know, it's not, you know, everybody's laughing and all that kind of stuff. Like normally when you're in the United States, no big deal. But when you're in another country, you've been eating all this crazy food and all that kind of stuff, you know, that's just, sometimes like that, that little time right there is a little cause for concern because sometimes you might get a little more than you bargained for, you know what I'm saying? And so, so, so I had to, <laughs> it's the truth. And, uh, <clears throat> um, so I had to check myself, and we were all good. And so, so everything was good. No accidents there. And so we come back. You know, we're trying to figure this rock out. So then I'm like, okay, okay, I got an idea. I got an idea. Teamwork is better. So let's see if we can all kind of get on. So, so we had some of our guys. We surround this rock, you know, and, and, and I'll just be honest with you. You know, like we didn't have a lot of just gigantic, buff, studly men like we do in this youth group. Yes, and uh, so they get around there, and we're, we're all just, you know, and the rocks just barely moving. We can't get it to go anywhere. We're strained. We can't get it to go anywhere. So we're staring to the side, and we're tired. And one of the guys that was working with us, this Cuban guy, he says, he says, he says hold on a minute. He goes around the corner. He's going about five, ten minutes. He comes back with this posse of ginormous Cubans. 
Now, let me tell you, there is, there, is, there is American weightlifting strong, and there is I moved rocks my entire life since I was like six months old strong, which are these guys, right? And uh, so they go out there, and, and like these, these gigantic Cubans, like, like five of them get around this thing, and they grab a hold of it, and they're just like, yeah. and they just start walking it over, walking it over, throwing the pile. Anything else, you little sissies? And we're just like, nah, man, nah, we're good, we're good. And then they kind of go off, you know, and we're like, wow. You know, we're, we're taking pictures. I mean, it was pretty amazing. And, uh, and so I was just kind of, you know, kind of reflecting on that and just kind of some of the things that John was saying earlier when he was talking about some of those big rocks in our life. And the reality is, is that we all have these rocks in our life that, that are really difficult for us to move, right? I mean, those rocks can represent so many different things. And, and then we try to get past them, we try to get around them, we try to, we try to figure out how we can, we can do stuff, but, but ultimately, even when everything else uh, around our life looks pretty clean, there's still that one thing that's just left. And we know we have to deal with it, because if we don't deal with it, we're not going to be able to finish the project that we started. We're not going to be able to head down the road in our life, because we have something that's in the way. See, we wouldn't have been able to finish that road that day if we hadn't have moved that rock. And this is what I know for your life. You're not going to be able to go where God wants you to go if you cannot figure out how to get rid of that rock. And let me tell you something. You cannot get rid of that rock by yourself. See, you are not strong enough. You are not powerful enough. You don't have experience carrying rocks that big. But God is. See, God can give you victory. God can carry the rocks that you can't carry. God can do things and move things that you cannot move. And I find it interesting because we've been going through the book of James. And the cool thing about the book of James is it's a book of action. It's all about putting our faith in the works. Faith works, the name of our series. <laughs> it's about putting our faith in action. It's, it's about this idea that your faith shouldn't be stagnant, that it should be moving forward, that it should be taking ground, that it should be just going ahead. And so we've talked about some of these big rocks that some of us have in our life. And we've talked about like doubt and favoritism and taming our tongue and a lot of these things that we struggle with and deal with in the areas that James tells us to caution ourselves about. <clears throat> and then we get to James chapter 5. And this is the last thing James is going to tell the church. And I find it interesting because when James is thinking about the last thing to tell the church, I mean, I can imagine he's sitting there in his, in his small little house and he's sitting in the corner by candlelight and he's been writing on this scroll all of the things that, that he wanted to tell his church and the church as a whole. And it's like he's about to close this thing out. And it's like, man, I've got one more thing I want to write down I want to tell them. I, the last thing I want to leave in their mind when all is said and done is this right here. And so then James comes out and he writes what we're going to be reading tonight. And listen, I'm telling you, tonight I don't really care your situation. I don't care who's sitting beside you. I don't care who's sitting around you. I don't care who you thought you were going to see here tonight, but they're not here because they went on spring break early. I believe that God has something for you tonight. And if you pay attention, God is going to blow your mind tonight. We've been praying for that. And I've just, I, I'm blown away. I got chills because I know what's going to happen tonight. You don't yet, but I know. So pay attention. James chapter 5. We're going to read verse 13 through 18. 
And this is a, a pretty awesome passage. And, and I want to throw it down for you. If you've got your Bibles, you can look it up there. You can listen. We're not, we're not going to have it up on the screens tonight. But I want to read it to you. This is what it says. James 5, 13 through 18. It says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being. I think it's interesting that he says Elijah was a human being. It's almost like we read the people who God has written down in Scripture, who God has shared these stories about all throughout Scripture, and sometimes we think these characters of the Bible like Noah and Moses and Elijah and Abraham are just these fanciful characters made up by somebody, and these are not people like us. And he is bringing some humanity back to a spiritual giant, a prophet of the Old Testament, Elijah. And what he's saying is, is hey, pay attention. Elijah was just a human being. He was just like you and he was just like me. And then notice what he says. Elijah was a human being even as we are. Even he prayed, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain to the, and the earth produced its crop. Now I don't know if you could pick up a pattern or pick up what James is really communicating here. But if you go back and read through that passage later, just underline every time he says pray or prayer or prayed. I mean, it is all through the passage. It's like the last thing he wanted to encourage his people with is, listen, I want you to pray. But listen, it goes beyond that. He kind of clarifies what he wants us to pray about. He says, listen, there is nothing off limits for you to bring to God in prayer. And he says, so in case you think there is, I'm going to break this thing down to you, and I'm going to give it to you in three different areas. And so he starts out and he tells us that he wants to pray. He wants us to pray for the, the, the trouble that we have in our lives. Or the struggles that we have in our lives. Another version of it says, or the sufferings that we have in our lives. These are the external circumstances. In your notes that you got tonight, you can write beside that struggles and suffering, external circumstances. Then he says, pray for sickness, illness, health. Pray for these things because God can intervene in these situations. Big rocks. And then the third one that he puts down there is he tells us, he tells us to pray uh, uh, he tells us to pray for the sins that we have in our life. And so we break it down here, and he tells us to pray for these three things. He starts out with our struggles. He start, we then go to uh, sickness, and then we go to sin. Sin is internal. My handwriting is awesome. <laughs> and this is external. Now, I want you to visualize that, write that in your notes, think about that, because that's going to give you some frame of reference. Now, before we get into this, I want you to notice some of this language that he uses. In fact, I'm going to read it to you in another translation. I want you to hear how this is community-focused. This is church-focused. Notice what he says. Listen, are any of you in your community suffering? He's talking about the community. He's talking about everyone. He's talking about plural they should pray, they, plural. 
Are any celebrating, they, plural, should sing praises to God. Are any sick, they, plural, should call to the elders, plural, of your church and ask them to pray. They, plural, will gather around and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Prayers offered in faith will restore them, plural, from sickness and bring them, plural, to health. The Lord will lift them, plural, up from the floor of of despair. And if the sickness is due to sin, then God will forgive their sins. So own up to your sins to one another. In other words, you're owning up to your sins. You're confessing your sins to one another. There are other people involved in this process. And then it says, and then it says, and pray for one another. And in the end, you may be healed. Your prayers are powerful when they are rooted in a righteous life. Then he goes through and talks about remembering Elijah. And he talks about how Elijah prayed with great intensity. See, just a disclaimer before we go any further tonight. The Christian life was never meant to be lived in isolation. It was always meant to be lived in community. The church was God's idea. In other words, you cannot do this faith thing on your own. This isn't like I can have my own little private world with God, but I don't have to go to church. I don't have to connect to other people. I don't have to share my sins with one another. I don't have to pray for other people. When I pray, I just pray for myself because all I care about is myself. It's all about me and my relationship with God. It's not about anybody else. No, listen, it is about you and your relationship with God, and it is about you and your relationship with other people. And that is all throughout Scripture. Jesus could not separate the two when he was asked by a lawyer, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all your strength. And the second of these is to love your neighbor as yourself. That is so interesting to me that he gives them both of those commands when the lawyer asks him. Why didn't he just say, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and end there? Because it is impossible for you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength and not love other people. See, back all the way in the garden... God creates Adam in the garden. Before sin ever entered the world in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2 that there was something that was not good. And what was that? The Bible says that it is not good for man to be alone. That is the reason that God put Adam in a sleep, took a rib from his side and created Eve because Adam was built to be built and created in order to live life in community with other people. This is the design of God all the way from the beginning because God is a relational God and we see that even in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons uniquely within one inside of the Trinity. It's pretty amazing. And we see this relationship fleshed out. And so I want to challenge you with that because when we're talking about this tonight, I want you to think about these things personally for your personal life. And I want you to also think about them in the context of when you're doing life together. Because here's the deal. It is no secret why we do connection groups immediately following the service on Thursday nights. We do that so that you can get in a smaller group of people and build relationships and community with one another so that you can get to know people that you don't know that you may actually have more interest in in commonalities with than the other people that you may have came here with. We want you to connect to other people in this ministry. We want you to grow a relationship with one another because that's what God designed you for. And that is why on Sunday nights we have life groups and we challenge you not just to sign up for them but to actually attend them because you need to 
to be doing life together in community with one another, challenging each other, encouraging each other, praying for one another, confessing sin to one another. Why? Because it is biblical in the way that God designed it so that you can have the full life that God wants for you. That's why we do it. This isn't just some leaders and Derek as the youth pastor sitting in the room going, hey, I got this cool idea. Why don't we launch these home group things? Let's do it on Sunday. We'll do them by schools and we'll do them with a group of people and hopefully students will show up. That is not it. It is because we believe at the core of who we are that this is the way God designed it for us to grow in our faith to maturity in a way that we couldn't do it on our own. Get off my soapbox. Fired up in here. <sighs> it is a little hot in here. Y'all warm in here? Woo. Somebody said, I'm sorry. I like, yes. I don't really know about that, but. <clears throat> um, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about some of the rocks that we have in our life. I think the first one that we need to talk about is our struggles. These are external. These are suffering, struggles. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about the external things in your life that you should be praying for. These are big rocks that are difficult for you to move. In fact, maybe even impossible for you to move. And this is what I know. There are some of you that are in this room tonight, and your life is defeated because of external circumstances going on around you. Because of external circumstances in your life, you feel beat up, you feel hurt, you feel depressed, and they're big rocks. See, this is what I know. Divorce crushes children. Divorce crushes children. It is not God's design. It is when man and woman decide that they want to go their own way and not God's way and do things the way God designed them not to be and get selfish and sin. And that is their sin, which is an internal issue, but the effects of it are external on their children. And some of you in this room, you're going through difficult times in your life and you're struggling with things and you carry this weight. You have this massive rock that you can't seem to break free from. It's causing depression in your life. It's causing your life to fall up, fall apart. You feel beat up because a divorce situation has happened in your life. Maybe it's death. Listen, death is painful. In a room of this size, and I know many of your stories in this room, and many of you in this room have lost parents, and some of you have lost both of your parents. And it's not easy. And your life feels crippled because you carry around this deep pain. This massive rock, and you feel like everything in my life seems to, to fall short, that I can get no progression because as I begin to try to move around and I start to pick up some little things here and there, but this big thing just kind of hangs over me. Maybe it's a broken relationship with a friend. Maybe it's a guy that you're in a relationship with or a girl that you're in a relationship with. Maybe it's abuse. Listen, I know. But there are many people in this room, because I've had conversations with you, that have been physically abused, have been emotionally abused, have been sexually abused, and you did nothing wrong to deserve that. And God did not do that to you. 
that was the sin of someone else. But because of that, there's this external struggle. This external rock that is weighing you down. And I don't know what your circumstances are, but I know that what James is telling us here is, he says, listen, you've got these troubles that have come up in your life. You've got these things that are ripping away at you. He says, listen, pray. Take them before God. Stop trying to pick up and carry something that you will never be able to pick up and carry. Put it in his hands and let him deal with it. Man, when I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about a story a guy I heard speak about 10 years ago. This guy has been a pastor for about 30-some years. This guy is, and listen, this is important for you to hear. This guy has spoken in over 6,000 churches, hundreds of thousands of people. When I heard him speak the first time, it was to about five to 6,000 people, and several hundred people came to know Jesus. There is no telling how many thousands of people have come to know the Lord through the guy you're about to see. I'm going to show you an eight-minute video clip, which I don't like to show video clips that long. But I promise you, you will be engaged the entire time. And I want you to lock in to this guy's story. Lock in to this guy's story. And I want you to notice all of the external circumstances in his life that are going against him. I want you to notice all of the big rocks that he's dealing with in his life. Check this video out. Well, when he was not breathing, when he was born for 18 minutes, the result was some brain damage. He ended up having cerebral palsy. That's why he talks the way he talks. And if you see him walk across the stage, he doesn't, he walks he actually says his, his famous message is, I have cerebral palsy, what is your problem? I mean, here's a guy who, for all intents and purpose, purposes, has so many external circumstances going against him. How could God ever use him? How could anything ever good happen in his life? How can anything be redeemed in the situation that he was born into? See, when he gave his life to Jesus, he said, these external circumstances don't matter. These rocks that I can't move in the road don't matter because God can move those rocks in my life. And countless people know Jesus today because of David Ring. See, this is the interesting, about, the interesting thing about it. Is that I don't know if you noticed this, but a lot of his external circumstances, God did not change. God didn't bring his mother back to life or his dad back to life. God did not take away the cerebral palsy. God did not change his external circumstances. See, what happens is, is that when we go to God and pray, a lot of times we're praying for God to take away our external circumstances. We're asking God for all this stuff. And the reality is, is that when we go to God in prayer, sometimes when we go to God in prayer, and I wrote this down, I think this is, this is, this is so incredibly true. I put, we go to prayer not just because God can change a situation, because he certainly can can because he is God and the supernatural can invade the natural and supernatural things do happen and can happen which we're about to step into but listen 
not, not only when we go to prayer, it's not just about God can change a situation, but when we pray, God changes us. I don't just pray because I'm praying for God to change some situation in my life. I'm praying because when I pray, God changes me. It's my communication system. It's my intimacy with God. Listen, if I want to change my marriage, then I have to sit down with my wife and have conversations with her. If I want to deepen our marriage, I have to learn how to listen to her and have have communication with her to deepen the intimacy in our relationship because my wife needs that. My wife desires that because we have a relationship with one another. You have a heavenly father that desires a relationship with you. He desires intimacy with you, and that comes through you listening, and you sometimes talking and when you begin to pray and have this communication time with God, God begins to speak to you. God begins to work in your heart. God begins to change you from the inside out. And James is saying here, listen, if you don't get anything else that I'm talking about, spend time with God, get in prayer with him, seek his face, get to know him, deepen that intimacy that you have with him. Go deeper. See, I think sometimes we approach God, and I wrote this down. I put, prayer is not just getting God to do your errands. It is you getting yourself ready to do God's will. See, we, we go to God, and it's, God, man, I need you to do this for me. God, I need you to step in in this situation for me. God, I need you to do this. God, 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 deal with this. God, please help me not to get in trouble for that thing, stupid thing that I did, and God helped me with this, and God this situation, and God this situation. And it's like we got God going around doing our errands, and then we get mad at God when God doesn't answer all the things that we want God to answer for us. And, and, then, and, then when, and then when he does answer things, we don't acknowledge him and praise him and thank him for what he's done for us. And, and so God's just running around doing our errands, and, and reality is, is that God is not out there to do your errands. Prayer is not about God running your errands. Prayer is about you connecting with your heavenly father so that you can do his will, his perfect and pleasing will through you. Now the second thing he tells us to pray for, and listen, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to prove to you that I'm not lying about this. sickness he says listen if there are people among you that are sick if there are people among you that need healing listen pray for them bring them before the church have the the church pray over them have them pray a prayer of healing over them because god can heal people is that like that's crazy god doesn't heal people oh yes god does heal people and let me show you something this is this is crazy i'll go around and show you i write my notes for my message my messages out I had three points tonight, struggles, sickness, and sin. I do not come in here and preach to you anything unless I feel like God is sharing something with me to preach to you. And when I got to sickness, there was nothing there for me to say. So literally, I'll show you my notes. These are my notes right here. You see this? Point number one, struggles and suffering, external. There's my notes, David Ring video. Point number two, sickness. Point number three, sin, internal. You see all the notes on sin and it keeps going on the next page. You see all the notes that I have here on, on, uh, on struggles and, and all that. How many notes do I have? On, I have one line. You see that? One line. One line. One line. You see it right there? Number two, sickness. 
You see it? Just so you know I'm not lying. You see that right there? You see this right here? Look at it. I want you to see that. This is important. Ten minutes before the service started tonight, I was having a conversation with one of our students. We were talking about, he said, hey man, I got to tell you a story. And I said, dude, you're going to tell that in front of everybody tonight. That is why God didn't give me anything to say right here because he wanted you to say what you just told me tonight. So Khalid, come up here. Y'all give it up for Khalid. So listen, I'm not preaching point number two tonight because God wanted Klee to tell this story. So he's going to preach point number two tonight. Hey guys, uh, I'm Khalee, and a lot of you, a few of you may know me, a lot of you might not. For the few that do know me pretty well, uh, I've been, for the past year or so, I've been struggling with a pretty difficult heart condition that has made things difficult in my life, and it came to the doctor's attention about a few months ago that the heart condition would reach a critical state to where it would cause me very difficult problems to live. Basically, they told me that in the next two to five years, I could be fighting for my life. Well, as I've been struggling with this, a lot of believers have come around me and have prayed truth over me and into my life. The other Monday, actually this past Monday, I was with about 40 believers in a friend's house, and we were just going through scripture, and we entered into this time of intimate worship. And then someone that I haven't even met just, uh, I'm, I'm in this time of prayer, and he's just like, does anybody in here need uh, healing? And I just throw my hand up, and he says, do you need healing for your heart? And I was just like, yes, yes, I do. And they just surround me as a group of believers, and they pray over me. And in that moment, I was healed. It was more than just, it's more than just, oh, they prayed over me and I was healed. No, God literally saved my life from something that should ultimately crippled and was supposed to kill me, says the doctor. Well, I set up a doctor's appointment for today and I wanted to get the confirmation for it. Well, I go to the doctor and they pull up my results of my last ultrasound and all this other weird testing that they do. And the doctor's looking at it, and it's a different doctor. He hasn't seen this. He's looking at it, and he's just like, this is insane. This is some gross, crazy stuff going on inside of your chest right now. And they redo all the testing, ultrasounds, EKGs, all that good stuff. There's not a single sign of any of that that was there five months ago. Yeah. So with that, I, I go home Monday night after I've been healed, and I'm just really thinking about this. And I start asking God, like, I say, I'm thinking, why me? And I, I'm, I'm questioning, like, really, why me that you look upon me? And you're like, I'm going to heal you, Khalid. And then I started thinking, who, am I, who in the world am I to question what God wants to do in my life? Who am I to question what God, what anointing God has over me? So he leads me to the scripture. You, can, you guys can flip there. Go to Jeremiah 1.5. I don't have a lot of time to talk, so I'm just going to start reading. But uh, this is what God says to Jeremiah. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, says Jeremiah, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. 
The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you and don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I've put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some, some you must uproot and tear down and destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. So I read this and I think God has an amazing anointing for my life because he's done a great work. He literally showed me his power through a miracle in my life. And as we were singing that song, Hosanna, which I love so much, I thought of the meaning of the word Hosanna, which means the Lord saves. And I started going into a deeper meaning. The word saves comes from the Greek word sozo, which it's not just you've been saved once and that's it. The word, when we talk about salvation, when we talk about being saved, we see that God doesn't mean you're just saved once and that's it. He's saying, I save you continuously. It's a continuation of us falling into this endless grace, being covered by what God is about, by who he is, and by his love. So I choose now for the rest of my life, after seeing this miracle, after him actually physically, literally coming into my life and ultimately changing my heart in every way, I choose to stand before you now and proclaim who he is and what he can do, and that my God saves. He saves. Thank you, brother. You're the man, bro. Love you, man. You're the man, dude. Uh, come on. Come on with it. I'm like a preach, man. I'm telling you. Come on. You know, it's funny because, you know, there, there's more to that story. We just don't have time for it. But, you know, he, he, he was telling me about how, you know, the nurse who was there when they gave him the bad news, and she was crying when they gave him the bad news, was also there when they saw this. And she started crying as soon as she saw the ultrasound because she was blown away at the difference and the change that had happened in his heart and how things were completely just cleaned up and all this kind of stuff. And to give him and her, who were both believers, begin to share with the doctor who was looking at the results about Jesus and about what God has done in this situation and, and it opened up an opportunity for them to share their faith. Dude, that is boss. All right, I'm corny. Um, and with a redneck accent. And then finally, I want you to notice what he, what he goes into. He talks about, he talks about our, our sin. He says, look, there's, there's these rocks of sickness, and there may be some of you who need some healing for things or people that you know, and, man, you need to pray for them. And there's others, you know, who need, need some prayer for sin. I want you to notice what he says here. He says, he says, so own up to your sins to one another and pray for one another, and in the end you will be healed. It says, before the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And maybe the reason that you haven't been seeing God answer the prayers and do the things in your life, maybe the reason that you have been praying and those big rocks are still sitting there is because there's some sins in your life. There's some other gigantic rocks in your life that you need to confess over to God, that you need to give to him, that you need to talk to some other people who are believers who are mature enough that aren't going to go talk about your junk to other people but are going to walk you through that and pray with you through that and have your back through that and pick you up through that and challenge you through that so that you can can deal with some of these big rocks of sin issues in your life because that is the in, in, internal stuff. See, sin means to miss the mark. In other words, God has this life designed for you and when you sin, you are missing the mark of what God has for you. 
It's a transgression against God. And the reality is there are multiple kinds of sins. There's really two kinds. There's sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins of commission are the sins that we commit. Uh, Sins of commission, commit. And sins of omission, the sins that we omit. And so sins of commission are things like the things that we do, the things that we commit. And so we know what God's word says about sex. And so we go out, we do things our own way, and we commit that sin. Or God, we know that God's word tells us to, to reach out to people that are hurting, people who are less fortunate, people who are getting made fun of, like in David Ring's situation. God tells us to do that, yet we walk by those people. We see other people making fun of them, other people putting them down, and we say no nothing we omit one is actions against god the other is is inactivity it is knowing that you were supposed to have action but you don't faith works and man i don't i don't know what your big rocks are of sin for some of you is pride you think you're the God of your life. You think you can control your life. You think you can do whatever you want without consequence. You think you can make your own rules. Well, keep thinking that way. And I'll tell you where it will end up for you. In disaster, you will shipwreck your life. As I did doing things my way. Maybe it's the sin of lust. Porn. Porn wrecks families. It wrecks marriages. It wrecks the way you view women and men because porn isn't just a guy thing. It's a girl thing too. Maybe it's substance abuse. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's materialism. Maybe it's that you think you are such so less of a person because of the external circumstances in your life that your sin internally is that you close everybody out or that you have an eating disorder or that you cut yourself or that you do these other things because you don't see yourself in the value that God sees you as. Because you don't see yourself as like the passage that, that Kali was just talking about. You don't see yourself as being fearfully and wonderfully made. You don't see yourself as the one that God designed and purposed you within your womb because he has a plan for your life like we talked about last week. You don't see yourself in that way and you look at yourself as someone like David Ring. You look at yourself as someone who's insignificant, someone who will never do anything worth anything. You look at yourself and you cry yourself to sleep every night. You look at yourself and you think about committing suicide all the time and you look at yourself in all of these different ways and God is saying, wake up, stop Hanging on to this massive rock and allowing it to crush you. I have an unbelievable plan for your life. Come to me, lay it down at my feet, and let me pick that rock up because you can't move it on your own. And this is what I know. There are some of you in this room tonight. You need victory over some sins in your life. You have been hanging on to them for far too long. You have come forward in services before. You've nailed stuff maybe to a cross. You've thrown stuff in a bucket. You've done this. You've done that. You've done whatever. And it is time. Time for you to give it up. The secondly, there's some of you in this room, man, you need some prayer for some healing in your life. Maybe there's some sickness or maybe there's some things going on. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone that you know that, that needs some prayer. It is a big rock and you can't carry it. And, and, or maybe for some of you, it is, it is, uh, you know, it is a struggle. An external thing, you have, you've had abuse in your life, divorce, a death, something that is external, that, a broken relationship that has crippled you. And we don't have time to get into it, but 
I like what he says in this passage. He says, it's like Elijah, who was a human being just like you. The Bible says that he prayed with intensity. If you want to get victory over these things, if you want to move, man, you need to pray with intensity. Listen, he prayed with intensity. If you go and you look at the story in 1 Kings chapter 17, King Ahab, who was not a good guy, was in power. He was, you know, the Israel was worshiping other gods. God was not happy about the whole situation. And so God sent this prophet Elijah. Elijah goes and he tells the king it will stop raining. He prays and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. When he prays again, it starts to rain. And in between that time frame, we see Elijah throw a challenge out to Ahab. There's been this drought and all this kind of stuff's been going on. And so he says, hey, listen, I want you to tell all of your prophets of Baal and your Asheroth prophets, I want you to tell them to meet me up on Mount Carmel. And like all of these men are up there. And he says, now this is what I want you to do. I want you to build an altar over here. And I'm going to build an altar over here. And then you start praying that your God will send fire down on that altar. And so they start praying. And, and then Elijah starts mocking them. And he says, to him, hey, maybe you shout a little louder. Maybe he's asleep or maybe he's in deep thought and you don't have his attention. And so they start shouting louder and they're crying out to their false God and they start cutting themselves and they start doing all this kind of stuff to get their God's attention. And then after a while of nothing, Elijah tells them to get these basins of water and pour it on the altar, his altar. They pour water on the altar. He says, ah, do it again. They do it again. Ah, do it again. And they keep pouring water on the altar until the Bible says there was a trench around the altar and it was full of water. The altar was dripping, soaking wet. And Elijah prayed and fire comes down from heaven and lights the altar. You say, that's impossible. You're right, it is impossible unless there's a God who supernaturally invades this world and does things that blow our minds because he's in control and you're not. And that's the God we believe in. That's the God we trust. And let me tell you something. It says that Elijah prayed with intensity. What does that mean to you? I was thinking about that. God, did God, I mean, here's a lot. He's praying with intensity. What does that even mean? Man, I can imagine praying in intensity would look something like this. If you found out that your mom had a week to live, you would pray with intensity. You would be on your face. You would be crying, God, please save her. God, please heal her. God, please. You would be begging her. You would be praying with intensity. I'm sure Elijah didn't say, hey, God, uh, yeah, you know, man, hey, listen, man, I'm about to go to bed. But, uh, hey, you think you could just, like, call some fire down here? And, hey, listen, my dog Sam, he's sick. Could you just be with him and help him get better? All right, yeah, I can't think of anything else. All right, man. Well, hey, uh, yeah, just if you could do that for me, that would be great. All right, peace. I, I don't think that is the prayer that Elijah prayed. There was some intensity in his prayer. He was begging God to show up. Because here's the deal. If God doesn't show up, his rock does not get moved. If God does not show up, they are going to kill him. He has everything on the line. I don't know what your rock is in your life. But this is what I know. You have one. We all have one. And your rock may be a struggle. Your rock may be a sin. Your rock may be a sickness. And I hadn't been talking very long. 
before you knew exactly what your rock was. And so this is what we're going to do tonight. And this isn't just about tonight. This is for the rest of your life. I want you to get honest with yourself and honest with God and move some rocks that you can't move. And so this is what we're going to do. I have some rocks. And I have some Sharpies. And here in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come forward and get a rock. If you want to give it over to God and ask Him to move it. And I want you to take the rock, whatever rock that is, and I want you to go back to your seat or somewhere in this room. Don't leave the room, but stay in this room. You can get kneel down here. You can go to the back of the room, whatever. And I want you to spend some time praying and asking God what He would have you pray for to move in your life. And then I want you to come back up here to the front, and I want you to pick a Sharpie up, and I want you to write it on the rock, whatever that is. It may be porn. It may be pride. It may be divorce because of that situation in your life. I don't know what it is, but you do. And I want you to write it down. And then I want you to put it in your pocket or in your purse or something that you came with. And I want you to take it home with you. And I want you to put it wherever you put your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, take one of the ones that are at your seat. Take it home with you. And I want you to every day use this rock as a reminder Put it in your bathroom, on your sink. Put it on your dresser. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it and use it every day. Put it in your underwear drawer because you go in there every day, hopefully. (laughs) Every day when you see it. And may that be a reminder for you to pray. And not just like, hey, God, hey, listen, this rock thing, God, just be with us today. But to spend some time praying in intensity over this prayer, over this thing on this rock. So I'm going to have John come up. And as John comes up, in Matthew chapter 17... The disciples have been out healing people, casting on demons, all this kind of stuff. Well, they come to this guy and they can't cast this demon out of this guy. And so Jesus comes on the scene. And this guy says, hey, listen, I brought this guy to your disciples for them to cast out the demon, but, but they couldn't do it. Could you do it? And Jesus says, sure. And he casts the demon out. And after he does, a little while later, the disciples come to him privately and they say to him, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus responds. And Jesus says to him, you of little faith, literally translated little faith ones, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, You could tell this mountain to go into the sea or cast itself here and there and it would go. I got some mustard seed here. And we got a picture of it. I think we can put it up on the screen. That's the mustard seed in my hand. These little bitty tiny seeds. If you have faith that small, you can tell that mountain to go from over there and cast itself over there and it would do it. In Luke chapter 17, he's talking and he says, listen, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, You can tell the mulberry tree, which is a giant tree, to uproot itself, and it would uproot itself. Listen, the point of that isn't for us to go outside tonight in our front yard and say, God, move that tree. 
The point of it is to show us how small our faith is. What Jesus is literally saying is, he's saying, hey, listen, if your faith was that small, but you can't even see it in there, if your faith was that small, you could tell that tree to uproot and it would. That's how small your faith is. And if you pray in faith, if you pray with intensity, God can't just won't, can't and will not, will not just move mountains and will not just uproot trees, but God will move the giant rocks in your life that you need to get taken care of. So listen, tonight, I want us to do business with God. John's going to sing through a little bit back here in the back. And I don't care how long this goes. I don't, I don't really care. You guys are on spring break next week. Enjoying yourself. We're going to break out for connection groups if we have time. If we don't, we won't. We'll probably break out anyway, even if it's just for five minutes to connect. But I want you to get some of those things right with God. I want you to surrender it and give it over. So, the rocks are here.